Welcome to the Risky Business Podcast. Uh, this podcast is an in-depth look at country risk around the world. Uh, in part, it is um, based upon the TXF country risk ratings. You can go to those ratings if you click on at www.txfnews.com slash country risk. We're going to look at the Americas. Um, the country that really stands out to me in terms of a change is Brazil, which goes from a risk rating, um, well, has a risk rating of 174.85, but that's a 34% increase. Uh, what accounts for that? Brazil is one of those countries that's, um, in economic terms, been an almost um, it's got to happen country. And I think what you're seeing in Brazil is... Um, Ahead of the elections, a great deal of uncertainty around corruption um, and around um, tensions which actually hark back to President Lula and whether or not President Lula will stand to be elected um, again or whether he's too old. Um, you've got the rise of populism, a general dissatisfaction in the country um, between the haves and the have-nots, the people who feel that um, you know there's been so much corruption in the regime up to this point that that it's really not meant that the economic benefits of, of economic growth have been able to feed down to um, the general population. And underneath all of that, you've also got a war on drugs. Um, so the whole of the region is obviously um, is obviously affected by that. But but particularly severely, you've had one or two spikes in, um, in internal conflict in Brazil as well. So it's this whole corruption in Internal conflict. It's not um, that's, that's damaging the investment potential of 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 the region as a whole, but Brazil in particular. And do you expect that will then um, maybe dissipate a bit after the elections? So I think it's possible that, as often happens after an election, there's a, there's a honeymoon period, there's a degree of stability. But Brazil has a very deep rooted problem of corruption that it needs to address. So it's affected the last three regimes um, in the country, and the problem is that investors from outside of the region and investors from outside of Brazil want to see Brazil doing well because it's resource rich, because it has a highly skilled workforce, it has a, a rising middle class, a very young population. There are a lot of advantages of investing in Brazil. There always have been. But the issue of corruption keeps coming back and back and back. So after the election, if the government can grasp that nettle and get on with it, then yes, I think I think that we'll, we will see a period of stability, but the risks are always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And in terms of some of the metrics that you uh, you cover, say for example, in, in terms of tracking media sources, um, do you get the sense that um, that there is a more positive discourse on this issue, or? At the, at the moment, the discourse is slightly con confused. I would say so. There's 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 a definite issue um, that people are beginning to wonder whether or not a a regime that was deeply corrupt um, will effectively put its representatives back. This is the Lula regime put their representatives back um, because people felt they were doing better under that regime than they were, for example, under the previous regime. Um, and I think I think um, that's the confusion in the discourse at the moment. It's do we go with the devil we know or a devil that we don't don't know. Okay, and you you mentioned at the at the top that uh, it is an economic got to happen country. Are yeah. there 
others of those in Latin America? Um, so I think Colombia is one. I think um, there are a lot of um, countries that um, that that everybody wants to see grow. Argentina is another one. Um, there's been a lot of interest in Colombia, but it's it's become very risky again because of drugs cartels and because of political stability. There, its risk ranking has risen, and that obviously is 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 um, something that that has to be concerned be a concern there's a risk of internal conflict um you have to look at um other countries argentina as well has issues of corruption it's corruption in the region that is actually holding the region back um and a lot of that comes from um comes from some of the issues that that, that we're seeing mm-hmm. and in trade data across either intra-regional trade or, or trade out of the region is there any sort of positive stories there so i think the most striking thing has always been when you've looked at the region how little goes into it in terms of infrastructure development there's a huge amount of potential for infrastructure stuff to go into the region and actually if you look at brazil in particular it's underinvested in in infrastructure um, equipment going into the region, and what you and and historically that's been the case. If you look at um, what's happening now, it's starting to invest more in infrastructure because it needs to invest more in order to be able to export oil, um, and it is very dependent on oil as an export as a, as a as a net exporter of oil, its economic fortunes are dependent on that. And so it needs to um, construct the infrastructure around that. And it's beginning to do that. So you're seeing a slight shift in the patterns of trade going into the region. Um, You're beginning to see supply chains around infrastructure supply chains and commodity supply chains build up. Um, Within the region, it's very difficult to track because none of the regions, none of the countries are particularly good at reporting their data. um, but you do see that you do see that when you look at across the whole region, um, the region trades with itself. So it trades fruit, it trades um, livestock, it trades commodities with itself. So a lot of its trade is still very focused on within the region rather than outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mexico has um, a growth in well in country risk of eighteen percent, putting it on three hundred twenty six point two one, high higher than uh, Venezuela, for example. Uh, are you concerned about what's happening in Mexico? I think Mexico is at a turning point, um, and it could go either way. I think the the new government in Mexico has an opportunity to throw away um, a lot of the issues of the past. Now, Mexico over the last year or so has had massive problems with violent death from uh, drugs and drug cartels related deaths. Uh, The government has literally had a war on terror where it's brought the the army in to fight fight these challenges. Um, And there's huge corruption in the country as well. And we now see a young and charismatic leader coming in um, who's come in and said he's going to sweep away everything in the past how easy that will be to do, I, I don't know. And you also have to look over your shoulder to say, well, Mexico's relationship within the North America 
region is 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 tricky as well. So the threats for Mexico are not just from its internal um, its internal conflicts and its political stability, but also in terms of its relationship with the United States, because it relies on the United States for oil refinement, for example. Um, and so it's it's actually and, and for an awful lot of um, its production because it produces cars and and you know that's one of the reasons why the free trade area in North America is under threat at the moment because Mexico has been so successful. So if it then has that economic plank taken out, um, that's that's a big risk for the country. Okay, and you mentioned uh, the USA. USA's uh, risk has gone up by 23% uh, to up to 105.93. Uh, can you talk a bit about why that risk has been so pronounced? Um, so risks have been building in the United States in terms of its foreign relations and in terms of um, in terms of um, its its internal conflict as well. So, in terms of its internal conflict. Um, over the last year, you've seen the Trump administration settle down. You've seen um, you've seen people leave. You've seen um, the the people who are more aligned with his America First agenda come into power. Um, that then creates a, a misalignment with a proportion of the population, and so that creates a potential for dissent and conflict within America itself. The biggest challenge, though, is that then creates a a fairly belligerent foreign policy, and and um, it it increases the risk of breakdown in relationships with some of America's allies, not just with Russia and China. It actually affects America's relationships with its allies, and you're seeing that at the moment um, through um, the the imposition of tariffs on um, iron and steel. Obviously, that affects China, but as soon as Canada and Germany and France, the United Kingdom and NATO countries start to get embroiled in all of that. That actually means that trade and foreign policy are very closely aligned around this thing called national security. Um, And that puts America itself at very high risk of isolationism. Have you seen, I mean, uh, there's been obviously a lot of talk on trade tariffs, trade wars. Has that um, began to show in the data, particularly regarding the USA in any way, sort of in trade data? What we... What we've seen in the data um, is actually the contextual stuff around that. So you begin to see uh, business surveys saying we're holding back on investment because of uncertainty. The trade data itself hasn't shifted that much. Um, and and I think the reason why is because it takes a long time. A lot of companies, when they're investing in trade, invest on a six-month or a 12-month basis. And not necessarily, it's not necessarily what happens today is going to affect the trade numbers tomorrow um, because it's, it's like turning a super tanker around. But what it will do is affect the ways in which supply chains are organised. So those types of things will happen quite quickly. So you've already seen Harley-Davidson say, we're going to we're going to relocate and we're going to operate in Europe. You've seen a number of other countries do the same type of things with Brexit here in the UK. You're beginning to see companies start to relocate bits of their supply chain in order to get around the tariff issue. And it is a big issue and we will see those things start to start to emerge. So while it might not affect overall trade, it will affect the geography of trade, if you like. Okay. And, and how you... Um 
how you track that supply chain issue? Will it be just in the the trade, or is there a number of ways you can you can do that? So, um, in terms of this risk data, we can track it through particular sectors. We can track it through, and we track it through the volatility in trade patterns as well. So the month on month changes, but then we also have social media metrics that we can that we can use to track uh, the sentiments around business sentiments and so on towards all of these things as well. Okay. Um, finally, from my side, uh, you, you made reference to, to Brazil being an, an oil exporter, obviously through Petrobras, which has been very much embroiled in some of the corruption uh, incidents that have happened over the last couple of years. Uh, you mentioned Pemex as well. Um, if those are important markets, what, what do you expect to happen? Has, has there been sort of some win from America's oil producers because of what's happened in the rest of the world? Has that been shown at all in in how they're performing or has that been dragged back by other issues impacting those two companies? So I think what you've seen in terms of those two companies is um, is the the rest of the world holding back to some extent. So you're seeing a nervousness around any type of um, participation in anything that might... Um, damage your reputation, do reputational damage. And I think the way in which the trade finance, um, the trade finance system globally has started to be regulated has meant that any association, um, any connection on AML or KYC grounds that might lead to reputational damage has meant that companies have held back. Now, that means that um, decisions are being made much more slowly it does mean, of course, that there will always be winners that that are perhaps less cautious or know know the regime better. But I think at the moment, everybody is being very, very careful. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, within the export finance market, I think UK export finance have come out with some sort of large announcements on support for Petrobras. Is that an idea that that's now changing and will be government-led? I think... If there are government subsidies for these types of things, then it's very likely that companies and financial institutions will say, okay, so the government is backing this, we can go in alongside it. Um, I think while there's any threat of any type of um, just doing it by themselves without that type of guarantee, if you like, um, then there will be a greater risk aversion because the consequences of contravening any kind of any kind of regulation or any kind of um, sanction at the moment or, or, or being seen to be involved with any kind of corruption um, scandal is so great that companies will always want to have some kind of guarantee that they're not going to be prosecuted. And just a reminder, you can go to txfnews.com slash country risk for a detailed analysis and data on all the countries mentioned on today's podcast. 